The training was great uh, at 29 Palms, and it prepared us very well. It's almost like the, the Marine Corps knew that we were going to be sent to Hell's Gate. You know, I was like, we got out of here alive, and, you know, we're mental, mentally and physically okay, but that wasn't the case. Coming home was, was actually fine for me until I got out of the Marine Corps. The views and opinions in this podcast do not represent the Department of Defense, Department of the Navy, or United States Marine Corps. After their deployment in 2008, some called them the Forgotten Battalion. But the Marines and sailors of the United States Marine Corps' 2nd Battalion, 7th Marine Regiment, reject the way the Forgotten Battalion moniker encourages that narrative of broken veterans. Instead, these warriors simply want to be remembered for the mission they accomplished and for the honor with which they have served their country and their corps. The majority of 2-7 veterans continue to reflect on their experiences while living their lives and pressing forward. These are their personal stories of resilience with insight to healthy coping and living with hope. Welcome to the Warriors Roundtable. Today on the Roundtable, we talk to former enlisted Marine Keith Branch. Keith, welcome to Warriors Roundtable. Thanks so much for being here tonight. Oh, of course. Uh, thank you for having me. I would I love, it. yeah, absolutely, man. I would love to hear your story a little bit. I'm sure everybody else would as well. To start off, you were with 2-7 during their 2008 deployment in the Helmand province of Afghanistan. Could you tell us a little bit specifically about where you were and what you were doing there? I was from weapons company and I got attached to Fox um, out to Nauzad, Afghanistan. Uh, as a forward observer, uh, I was a school training forward observer, and um, basically from day one, uh, we hit the ground running, hit the ground fighting, and um, yeah, so my, my job was to work with basically the FAC, the forward uh, air control, um, and coordinate, uh, you know, uh, bombs. Uh, I called in mortars, uh, 80, 81 millimeters and uh, 120s. Uh, we got the 120s uh, about mid-deployment. So Coming into that deployment, I had some experience uh, in Iraq. I was uh, served in Zidon and uh, Karma uh, on the outskirts of Fallujah. Uh, saw, saw some, uh, you know, conflict there. Uh, you know, several firefights and definitely um, IEDs were a threat and, uh, of course, snipers. Snipers were uh, a big threat. Uh, so I came into that deployment uh, into Afghanistan with some combat experience, uh, but uh, combat in Afghanistan was definitely a a level up. Um, the the fighters seemed to be more trained. They uh, believed in their cause and they were willing to fight to the death. Unlike uh, the fighters uh, that we saw in Iraq, who would uh, typically you know take drugs to stand up and fight against the U.S. Marines. Uh, as That's what we found when we would, you know, inspect their, their fighting areas. Anyways, uh, there's a whole different, whole different situation in Afghanistan. Um, just a lot more heavy fighting. Um, they were, they were, had well dug in fighting positions and um, our enemy, uh, the Taliban, were well hidden in uh in the green i guess we we call it the green areas 
Uh, so the the, def, the the fighting was definitely very intense. Uh, if we wanted to fight every single day, which most of the time we did, uh, we knew exactly you know where to go to to get into a firefight. And it was a and now that at least there was a guaranteed uh, chance of uh, combat at your at your leisure. <laughs> Is there, when you think of all the experiences you've had uh, is, between Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, is there a particular experience that you find yourself coming back to or something that you find keeps coming back to mind? Uh, a particular combat incident uh, when Ivan, uh, Lance Corporal Ivan Wilson, uh, when he was killed uh, by an IED, mm. he actually uh, sat down on an IED and I was within 20 meters of the incident and then uh, i witnessed him uh the post explosion um and him you know uh, basically trying to survive he ended up dying mm. and that uh, that's a memory that i always jump back to it's very significant for me sure. um but there are also some some significant operations that we did um mm. like taliban headquarters uh pakistani alley uh, we did that twice. Um, we did several major operations that stand out to me, uh, where we were able to, uh, kill several fighters and, uh, accomplish the mission that, that was given to us. And that was, um, encouraging every time that we were able to accomplish something like gave us more confidence in our ability to fight, mm -hmm. gave it the morale improved. And so each one of those operations definitely uh, sticks out to me. Sure. It sounds like you were engaged in combat pretty regularly. I think at one point you said every day. What was a typical engagement like for you as far as the duration, the intensity? Can you describe that a little bit? Um, it just depends on how much you wanted to, to fight. Um, some of the firefights, uh, for instance, I remember one, one operation stands out to me pretty significantly. It was at the beginning of the, that deployment. I believe it was in uh, June. Okay. Uh, we, so we got there. We got to Nauzad in, in late May mm -hmm. of 2008. And then I believe in June, we did an operation called Blue 19. And uh, we were fighting for about seven or eight hours. It could have been more, but what I remember is seven or, seven or eight hours. Okay. And we were, engaged, we were engaged constantly with the enemy, trying to advance our position. Um, from what I remember, we, we stayed at this, uh, we were basically pinned at this one house and, uh, the enemy, we were just going back and forth. You know, I was calling in mortar strikes. They were calling in mortar strikes on us. And it was a pretty intense, uh, firefight. Mm -hmm. Others would last, uh, only a few minutes, I would say, you know, three or four minutes. And then that would be the end of it. Um, I think the enemy may have known that, we were struggling with air support uh, as far as having on-call air support at all times. We didn't, we did not have that. Mm. Um, but when, when the, when the bombing, the bombing runs would start, they would typically back off um, as we had the advantage. If, when you think back to those experiences, was there anything the Marine Corps did or even life did to prepare you for what you experienced in Afghanistan? I think the Marine Corps prepared us uh, very well. Um, there's nothing like real experience uh, yeah. 
And I think that was uh, crucial to our success there uh, in Nowzad. Um, you know, I, I do, I do count, first of all, I do count Nowzad as a success uh, for the fact that we were able to kill so many uh, Taliban fighters versus, you know, how many of our uh, fighters were killed. Sure. Um, yeah, I would say the training was definitely was great uh, at 29 Palms, and it prepared us very well for what we were going to experience. Mm-hmm. It's almost, for me, it's almost like the Marine Corps, uh, when, so when I got back from uh, Iraq, I was uh, immediately sent to Infantry Mortars Leaders Course, uh, where I was trained to be an FO, and it's almost like the, the Marine Corps knew that we were going to be sent to Hell's Gate, Mm. Uh, that was preparing me and preparing us as a battalion to go enter, uh, you know, basically hell. Uh, and our unit was well prepared. We had a lot of uh, combat leadership uh, from previous deployments, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dating back to 04, the 04 deployment, then the 05, 06 deployment, and then the 07 deployment, which was I was on. And so we had all, we had just these great leaders that come together in this one unit uh, and they prepared us very well. And we had, again, uh, it's like we had Iraq in our backyard, mm-hmm. uh, the 29 Palms as you know, our training ground. So right. uh, I don't think any other unit could have been as well prepared as us. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the fact that all the, the combat experience that we had, the, the training that we had, you know, I believe we were, we were well prepared. Everybody that I knew, uh, leadership wise was competent in their job. Hmm. That's a great testament to Marine Corps training for sure. When you, when you talk about your leaders, uh, is there anyone in particular, whether mentioning them by name or not, but is there anyone in particular that stands out to you and what sort of leadership lesson or lessons did you take away from those folks? Uh, at the time, uh, before, before he was injured, um, at Pakistani Alley, uh, Staff Sergeant Guest, um, he was instrumental in, in leading, uh, leading us. Uh, you know, when we faced tough situations, tough, scary situations where uh, imminent death was, was right there, mm-hmm. um, he had the courage to step up and, uh, you know, as a staff NCO and lead our entire unit. Mm-hmm. Um, there uh he was <clears throat> probably the most courageous uh leader on the battlefield that i've ever seen mm. uh, some some might call call him crazy but um it's a crazy situation you have to react accordingly right. which he did and i'm a testament to that i was i was there at the very front with him every time we charged the enemy mm. and uh, if i was to go back that's who i would pick to lead me now, you are, as a bunch of Marines, you are viewed by the world as the elite infantry unit. When you're on that battlefield, you're a group of, of lions. You've described Saf, uh, Sergeant Guest now, uh, I believe Master Sergeant Guest, um, in some pretty remarkable terms. Were you, were you there the day that uh, he was injured? And could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, first of all, I want to talk about the day before he was injured. Yeah. Um, uh, 
we did a uh all i remember is uh having an uh basically a hasty operation i think we were told maybe a day or two prior to this mm. that we were going to go um recover or blow up a thousand pound bomb that had dropped in taliban territory okay um between us and that bomb was a large open field mm -hmm. uh, which we had to uh basically charge it was a few hundred meters a couple football fields uh long and we were uh you know we we dropped out of the seven ton uh somewhere in the middle of that field and we charged towards uh charge towards tar charge towards the taliban you know guns blazing uh and they, they started shooting at us and we really had no cover uh until we got to uh basically up close to them and we were behind a wall uh that's that's a time when when he really stepped up and he led the marines and it was a fierce fierce fire, uh, firefight with the uh, taliban uh, and just if i could just to be clear for for folks that were there and certainly folks who have experienced combat they probably understand what's happening but the reason you guys are throwing yourselves at this uh to recover this bomb is because if the taliban recover this they can do a, a whole lot of damage to your fellow marines or uh, afghan national army or, or whomever is that correct? Correct. The, the, the fighters we were dealing with were experts in uh, planting, uh, you know, ground explosives, IEDs, um, getting a hold of a thousand pound bomb, you know, and, and kill, they would they would have definitely uh, used it to their advantage. So I, I do believe it was a, uh, a good idea to, to charge up there and blow it up, which we ended up doing. Uh, but, but in between that objective was an intense firefight. Um, uh, Chris Nichols, who is a Marine I served with at Fox Company, he was, uh, during this firefight, he was next. He was right to my left, maybe a, a meter or so. He ended up getting shot in the face and shot in the neck, or he got shot once. And I just remember it going through his neck. And, you know, during all this chaos, Staff Sergeant Guest was right there um, yelling commands. He was running up and down, chart, and then he ended up charging the enemy. I mean, he was just there at the front. And when you see that, you know, from one of your leaders, it encourages you. Uh, it gives you the courage to to follow. Mm. Um, so the very next day, we ended up doing a, uh, a an operation that was planned. I believe it was uh, I believe it was Pakistani Alley. And I remember uh, getting in, you know, it was, it, once we reached our objective, we got into an intense firefight that lasted a few hours. And Staff Sergeant Guest was in a, uh, a Humvee uh, in the, uh, you know, commander seat, the, the basically the, the, pat, the front driver, uh, front, front passenger seat. And uh, I just remember hearing this huge explosion. I was probably 50 to 75 meters away uh, with attached to another uh, ground element. And, you know, I saw the smoke go everywhere. And then I was able to see Staff Sergeant Guest uh, yelling, like he got blown out of the, 
the the Humvee, you know, his legs all jacked up, and he's still trying to lead mm-hmm. his Marine by yelling commands. And that's just, uh, I mean, it just, it doesn't get any better than that. That's, that's, he was the cream of the crop, you know, yeah. again, I don't, I don't want to, uh, just because I put him up on a pedestal, I don't want to forget about the other leaders that were instrumental in our success out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Staff Sergeant Bugle, uh, you know, the officers, uh, all the officers, Shellhaus, Corral, um, you know, I'm forgetting a lot of people, but, you know, I, I have much respect for everyone that fought out there. Yeah, well said. Well said. What was it like for you, Keith, coming home from that particular uh, deployment? Um, okay, so first of all, my, my best friend, uh, Larry James Martin, and anybody from 2-7 uh, that watches this uh, knows Larry James Martin. Uh, he uh, he was out there with me. He was a mortarman, and he was on the gun line uh, during that deployment. You know, so he was dropping mortars for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting. It was my last week in Malzad, and we were we were sitting together having coffee or, or something. And I just the coffee and a cigarette. And I remember saying, you know, I looked over at him, over at him, and I said, "I'm so glad we we came, we got out of this alive." And, you know, with no mental health issues and uh, I guess nothing could be far further from the truth looking back. You know, yeah. I, I remember having a conversation, though, and, uh, you know, I was like, we got out of here alive and, you know, we're mental, mentally and physically OK. But that wasn't the case. Um, coming home was 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 actually fine for me until I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, cause I, yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't start to have issues until I got out of the Marine Corps. You know, I, I, I had the security and the safety of the Marine Corps. Uh, my friends were still there. You know, when I got back, I almost had a year left, uh, before I EAS. So I didn't really have too many issues while I was still in. At what point did you realize I'm not doing so well and I, I maybe I don't have the capacity to manage whatever's going on in, in my own mind and I need to reach out for help? Uh, it became noticeable to, to me um, and others, you know, i.e. my family and, and friends, uh, pretty much as soon as I left the Marine Corps. Um, uh, my drinking picked up. Um, the 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 stress that I felt uh, was immense. The pressure to um, to support my family. Uh, you know, I had I had several stressors. Trying to find a job. Uh, trying to worry about. I had a newborn uh, daughter at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, no clear direction on where to go after the military. Um, the military what was my identity and still to this day um, I struggle sometimes I'm in I'm in and out of that identity you know I have an, uh, a constant identity crisis uh, because sometimes I feel like I'm still that person um, mm-hmm. and 
you know, of course, I'm I'm a Marine until I die. Uh, you know, Semper Fi until I die. But uh, yeah, identity crisis, stress, lack of purpose, no clear direction. Uh, these are all things that I faced. Um, and the the one that sticks out to me that, that I still struggle with is camaraderie. Um, and that's why I try very hard to stay connected and keep 2-7 connected. Mm -hmm. You do. I, uh, I mentioned to you before, but I really notice and appreciate how much you're active, even just on the group page and trying to continually kind of buoy everybody, you know, encourage them. Uh, you're very, very engaging and interactive. And yet what you're saying, and I think that's very normal and it's honest is, you know, you still struggle too. Um, there's probably, uh, uh, every day I'm sure that you think about, uh, your experience in Afghanistan. It's probably not a day goes by that you don't think about some of these guys, um, and engage with some of the ones that are still alive at, uh, that you reach out to, to, to help. Um, let me ask you, you, you'd also, you did a New York times interview for that uh, one particular article or set of articles that uh, got a lot of traction for two seven. And they specifically talked about two seven as being the forgotten battalion. What was your take on that? sort of nickname then and what's your what's your take if if different at all now um you know the, the reason we got that that moniker was because uh, all the units that came after us we say we were the first unit in afghanistan in 2008 to be there since i believe 2001 okay uh, for the first marine infantry unit to go there and actually you know kick Taliban ass. Mm -hmm. And um, so all the other units after us got a lot of media attention, got a lot of, you know, high profile uh, attention. Uh, whereas our unit 27, there wasn't much talk about what we did in 2008. Not much was known. So that's why, you know, you hear the moniker, uh, the forgotten battalion. Now, from a first person uh, view, which I have, uh, we did not have a ton of support. Um, and I'm sure there are some technical terms for this that officers uh, use, you know, like a, uh, <clears throat> I, I, you know, all, all the resources that a combat infantry unit are supposed to have. Uh, we did not have that. We did not have, uh, you know, Marine air support all the time. Other, uh, you know, we didn't have tanks. We didn't have all these things that we had in Iraq, for sure. Uh, so we were out there doing, you know, expeditionary work. Um, there are days that we would go black on ammo. Um, you know, I remember having to be very resourceful with my mortars. Uh, we had to calculate operations based on our ammo supply, which sucked, you know, because we wanted to go out there and just just get after it, but we had to keep in mind. Uh, our resources. Um, other than that, you know, I don't, I don't believe we're forgotten. Um, at least not anymore. Um, after the, 
the articles came out, we did get a lot of attention as far as uh, people wanting to reach out and help, nonprofits. Uh, the articles were a, a, a huge uh, help in getting Semper Fi Fund to uh, help us out. Now we're able to do unit reunions on a regular basis, which is, I believe, is, is super helpful. And it's one of my purposes in life is, you know, to, to keep the Marines together. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm on coordinating reunions until the day that I die because uh, I want to see the Marines just as much and the docs just as much as, uh, you know, they want to see each other. So, yeah, you talk about that camaraderie and how important it is to foster and to build. And it sounds like this is a key part of it for you and for the for the battalion uh, for the for two seven veterans who may not have been to one of these. Uh, What's it like? What's what's one of these reunions like for you? Uh, it's a, a smile ear to ear the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, when you when you first arrive, you see these faces that you haven't seen in, in years, um, mm-hmm. and it's just nostalgic and incredible. It's a great feeling. Uh, and, you know, you get two to three days. Uh, with the with these guys to uh, reconnect, uh, recollect on you know m- combat memories, um, and it's almost just like having that 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 family bond again that you had you know when you were with your platoon mm-hmm. uh, or company or in battalion. Um, it's just a great feeling. And, and what we do at these reunions is you know we'll do activities, fun activities. Uh, we'll do healing activities. Uh, you know, such as acupuncture. Uh, we're we're trying to make this uh, benefit the Marines, but you know, we we don't want anybody to fall through the cracks in life. So if anybody's struggling, we want to have resources there. We want to have people on deck that are you know to catch them uh, so they're not falling. Uh, that's my goal. That's my vision uh, is to to go through life as a unit. Right. And just you know, pick up people as they need help, yeah. uh, because it's, it's inevitable that you're going to have people go to combat and come back and experience life issues, whether it's immediately after or 20 years later. Um, you know, healing has to take place. Yeah. Uh, at some point, you're going to have to face it, and uh, I believe these reunions are a catalyst for that. There are guys that were, you know, isolated for years who are coming out of the woodworks to come to these now. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- there's just nothing but great things that can come from, from a reunion. Looking back for a minute and looking at who you are now in reflection, is there a way that combat has made you successful, made you better, made you the person that you are today? Yeah, uh, to be completely honest, um, I think, I, you know, I, I look around me at society and I, under, I, I realize that I'm a very strong person, um, stronger than most around me um, because of those experiences and only because of those experiences. Uh, uh, I understand that sometimes life is going to suck, but if you stick with it and push through it, there are rewards on the other end. Uh, and I, I don't think, uh, while, 
while I try not to compare myself to others, I don't think uh, a lot of people grasp that concept of, of uh, the way that a Marine infantry uh, grunt, you know, does or, or a corpsman or somebody that's been in sustained combat, you know, or it doesn't even have to be combat. It can be, uh, you know, a life, uh, a near, a near death experience, you know, for somebody, but you specifically asked about combat. So, um, yeah, I'm just willing to, to take whatever resource I have, no matter how low I get, uh, I, I face it. I say, I can do this. And, uh, overcome overcome my obstacles adapt and overcome you know marine corps motto so uh when you think about things that have specifically helped you keith uh resources that you've tapped into whether those be organizations or programs is there something specific that sticks out in your mind something that's been helpful for you and you're continuing to grow and succeed sure um so after getting out of the military, uh, I struggled with alcoholism uh, for a number of years mm. up until uh, 2017. In 2017, um, I had an incident and I decided that it was time to go to rehab uh, and uh, went to this place. I was accepted into this rehab center in San Diego called Aspire and it's a VA program. Okay. And I was there for four months uh, and I was able to get clean from alcohol. And to this day, I, I do not drink. Um, while I was there, there were, it was like an all in one for veteran, you know, take, if you're, if you have financial issues, all right, let's, let's get you some financial counseling, get you on the, the right track. If you're having credit issues, let's write letters to creditors asking for, you know, forbearance or they had diet if you're having health issues with your body you know they had dietitian there so it was an all-inclusive uh help and it really helped me so i would i would definitely recommend that for you know veterans that are facing serious struggle okay and i can certainly link to that in the show notes uh it's called aspire and it's run by the va is that correct yes and it's a it's a, a center that houses uh, 40 veterans at a time, and they will you know they will definitely do what they can to help you out. Uh, other than that, you know, I used I used my GI Bill to get my bachelor's degree, and I used Voc Rehab to get my uh, master's degree in business. Okay. So while I've had my struggles of ups and downs, uh, I have continued to achieve. Uh, you know, personal, personal endeavors. For the, somebody who's listening, who's struggling daily, who, you know, might feel like, Hey, I'm, I'm not fixed yet. When is this ever going to get better? What would you tell them? I would say that you probably need to find your crowd and, you know, run, run with your, run with your tribe, find your tribe. If you're in a, if you're in a, uh, a bad situation, get in a different uh, environment that will help you. Um, so there are several programs like MVT, Merging Vets and Players. It's a, a fairly new nonprofit out there with some 2-7 uh, Marine involvement. And they, they focus on physical fitness. 
Okay. And physical fitness has been huge for me. Uh, after I swore away alcohol, I decided I wanted to get into uh, great physical form and, and uh, really focus on that. And it's been huge in my uh, helping me mentally um, yeah. to stay, stay in shape and strive for a better body every day, more health, health is wealth. You know, at least it, it does it for me. I think, I think a, a big factor in that too, is the, uh, the chemicals that my brain experienced during combat, just that mm-hmm. surge of adrenaline every single day, mm-hmm. uh, really changed my, you know, my brain. And now I, I do have an addictive personality and I have to have an outlet for that. I seek that excitement. And so for me, the gym, you know, lifting heavy weights, running fast, getting that out of me, that energy out of me is, is crucial to my health. It's hard um, to believe a Marine addicted to heavy weights and running. But that, <laughs> I, I'll take your word for it. All right. All right. Oh, that's great. Um, but, you know, that's just one outlet that, uh, you know, there are other, again, you know, run, find something where there are like-minded people and let yourself be vulnerable like you were when you joined the Marine Corps, you were, you were being very vulnerable. You were vulnerable with your life. You know, you swore to defend um, this nation. So be vulnerable once again and seek out people that are there to help you. Oh, now, I'm only saying this because I experience it, and I still experience it. I struggle with isolating myself, you know, and uh, so I speak from experience. So part of what I'm taking from what you're saying, it's great, by the way, thank you for, for sharing from your heart. Part of what I'm hearing you say is that struggle, the battle, if you will, is, is a normal part of life. Like there's, there's never a day when we arrive. Uh, but if you're finding yourself constantly sort of slipping back, rather than feel despondent, just do something to keep that momentum going forward. Yes. And what uh, I, I think, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and, and in keeping that momentum going forward, uh, what do you do on those on the bad days? What do you do when you find yourself tripping or slipping back? Um, I've learned now to not dig my hole deeper. Once I <laughs> once my hole is dug, stop, collect my thoughts. All right, how can I how can I get out of this hole without digging it deeper? You know. A lot of a lot of Marines and corpsmen, we're the type of people that don't. And I'm being very, I'm, I'm generalizing here, so bear with me. This is not, does not apply to everybody. Sure. But we, a lot of us, don't come from great supportive homes mm-hmm. or backgrounds. Um, you know, the Marine Corps does typically attract a certain type of person, and they're typically great, great people with great hearts, but they do have challenging backgrounds. I'm one of those. So it's in, it's some, it, it can be in our nature to be destructive, self-destructive. And uh, that's something that I'm growing, I'm trying to grow out of is self-destructiveness when uh, I face an obstacle. Um, so don't, don't dig your hole deeper than it is. Uh, connect with somebody that can pull you out of that hole. Don't stay, you know, if you can't dig yourself out then connect with people. And that's, that's typically what I try to do and, and what other Marines try to do on the, the group forum that we have for two seven, uh, on Facebook, you know, if, if somebody's reporting that they're having some issues, all right, we try to 
find the, the quickest, easiest, most efficient way to get that marine or sailor help. Yeah. Let me maybe That's just ask one last question. I'll give you a chance to think about it, but what I'm going to ask is what would, what advice you might give to a new marine, somebody who's either, you know, fresh out of SOI or maybe they haven't even enlisted yet? No, I would, you know, I would say, so I'm thinking back on my service and uh, I would describe myself the way that I served, I was a field marine. So I was, I was really good at my job. I was uh, intelligent. I executed my job, I think, you know, very honorably. And uh, everyone else thinks, seems to think so. But I was not the best uh, garrison marine. Uh, now, I never got in any kind of uh, significant trouble or anything like that. I, I believe I got one page 11. But I could have done more with my career, you know, uh, even though I, I knew I was probably only going to serve four years. Uh, I did have some interest in going officer, but uh, that burned out uh, after the 2008 deployment. Okay. So if I had to go back, you know, I, I went through boot camp and I was a I graduated squad leader. Uh, so I was promoted from private to PFC. Okay. Uh, then I went to SOI and I was a squad leader there uh, for mortars and I graduated Lance Corporal. So I got into the fleet as a Lance Corporal. And uh, I remember when they, when I dropped in, they called me super boot because uh, it was very rare for, uh, you know, to, for, for a, a new Marine to be a Lance Corporal in the fleet. Mm. And I got a lot of stuff for it, but uh, my seniors had just gotten back from, Iraq a few months prior and so they had you know the <laughs> kind of like a you know a shit bag attitude a, a lot of them and then being my leaders you know I was I was what 19 or 20 and I just followed suit uh, under their leadership and even though they're very competent at their jobs and uh, very good combat leaders they didn't set the best example in garrison so I followed suit I, I didn't do my MCIs uh, cutting scores were you know, like 1850, they were very high. So without doing my MCIs and without improving my uh, fitness tests, there were, you know, I wasn't going to pick up corporal. Uh, so to you new Marines, I would say give it, while you're a Marine, give it all that you have every day. Be the best Marine and live by the code, you know, in everything that you do. And that's something that I regret. I really do. I, I wish I would have picked up meritorious sergeant, which was, you know, very possible if I would have kept the same motivation that I had coming into the Marine Corps. And it's just one of those things, you know, you look back on anything that you do in life and you're like, ah, I wish I would have put my all in. And that's what I do now. You know, it comes with maturity, but definitely uh, give it all that you got. You'll be proud of yourself when you finish your time in the Corps. Um, well, it's interesting because I think I see a lot of people who kind of just – coast through and they do okay but sometimes it's folks who bottom out who end up doing really well because they use that as a motivation to kind of as a launching pad a springboard to say I don't ever want to end up mediocre or worse again and it really fuels them to to be successful and you know follow on seasons in life and that's what I see uh, happening to you that's that's great I like that it's a good lesson learned yeah I mean you you probably only get one chance to serve so you do it with do it with all your heart uh, and be the best because it's only going to help you in your other endeavors in civilian life. Yeah, that's that's all, that's my recommendation. 
Well, Keith, I know you fought don't hard. Pet, don't, don't pet the burning dog, as uh, First Sergeant Flegel would say. Don't pet the burning dog. <laughs> don't touch a burning dog. I like it. Yeah. Uh, well, Keith, you fought hard. You cared deeply about the people you served with, and all of your decisions that you made were through that filter. You might go have gone back and done some things significantly differently than than you did, and that's that's part of the growing up process too. But thank you again for serving our country. Thank you for fighting alongside of those other lines in combat, our United States Marines and our Navy corpsmen and our chaplains. And uh, thanks for doing what you did for our country. And I look forward to seeing what great, genuinely great things are going to come out of your uh, your next season of life. Now with a this master's degree and uh, some great motivation and training. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. To, you know, I'm excited for myself. I, I do have a new outlook on life after uh, going through, you know, several ups and downs. But I was able to maintain my composure and I'm ready to kick ass uh, in 2019. Sounds great. Sounds great, brother. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Look forward to being in touch with you in the near future. All right. It was my pleasure. Thank you.